Good morning, everybody. Eddie Webb. We are here at Mesa Community College, and today our podcast guest is Matt Hassan, who is the Chief Communications Officer for our Chancellor down at the Maricopa District Office. Very happy to to have you here. I know uh, a lot of people are interested in your uh, your work and how you serve the district. Welcome. Well, thank you, Eddie. I appreciate you bringing me in and letting me come over. I've been watching you develop uh, the new Media Lab for, well, since its inception, I think, uh, when Dr. Fisher was here, um, wrote some press releases about the work you did with Adobe. So excited to come over and check it out and, and see the great stuff you're doing. Yeah. So, hey, Matt Hassan here, Chief Communications Officer from the Office of the Chancellor down at the Maricopa District Office. And um, hey, what's your educational background? So I went to uh, my undergrads from Arizona State University. Uh, my degree was politics, not political science, politics. That's a, an important dis, uh, distinction. I didn't want to take any math, so they said take politics. I uh, wasn't a math guy. Uh, I've got a master's degree in mass communication and media studies from San Diego State University and a master's degree in government relations from Georgetown. Wow. Yeah. Hit both coasts. I did. Well, I was military. I served in oh. the uh, Air Force for 23 and a half years. Did you really? I did, yeah. Well, thank you for your service, sir. Thank you. Yeah, it was a, a pleasure. It was a exciting times in my life. Yeah. I uh, come from a pretty good military family, and you're, you're a notch up now, my friend. Thank, <laughs> thank you for uh, being here and, and uh, serving at, at the district. No, People really it. want to know, like, what exactly does the chief communications officer do? Yeah, that's a loaded question that could probably take up most of our time. But uh, my, my primary focus is uh, at the district office is ensuring that the chancellor's vision for our system uh, is communicated, whether it's internally or externally. Uh, we have stakeholders, obviously, uh, all of our employees and our students are stakeholders, and that's a, it's a large audience. And also elected officials are our stakeholders as they make policy and, and decide funding uh, for our, our system. So just making sure his communication, or excuse me, his vision is communicated uh, to to the community, uh, whether that's an internal new policy or changes in policy with COVID. There's been uh, hundreds of messages from the chancellor about what's going on, the changes that are that are happening, and making sure that his voice is is communicated out in in, in a way uh, that kind of captures his vision on where we want to go. Our chancellor, Dr. Gonzalez, is is truly committed to transparency. All of our conversations, whether they're difficult things to communicate or easy to communicate, he approaches them the same. He wants to communicate timely. Uh, he, he wants to be engaged with our employees, uh, and he's truly committed to it. I've worked for a lot of people over my 28 years in this profession who, who will say it, but they don't necessarily mean it, but Dr. Gonzalez does. So that's a big lift for our team to make sure that we're, we're communicating for him. And, and with all the, the I say crises, but for me, that's a little different. For all the issues we have as a system, uh, doing that, it, it, it's a pretty engaged job and it takes quite a bit of effort. So we also work with the media. Um, we are taxpayer funded. So our stakeholders are those people that pay, pay taxes. And we have a responsibility to engaging with our media in a timely and transparent and honest way. Um, so we spend a lot of time working with the media. Uh, sharing the the good work that's happening, and when they have questions about things, uh, whether it's good or bad, we we have to respond in an honest fashion. The the community deserves to know the truth. 
That's wonderful. Is there a metric that you use on how efficient and effective your communication efforts are received by the district the employees or both internal or external? Um, externally, we have some metrics we can use. We have different software platforms that we'll send our press releases out. So I can tell you uh, how often or how, what our click rate is for media, whether they open them, what the percentage of, of truly opening the email and reading. Internally, it's a little more difficult uh, to track when the chancellor sends a message out. Uh, so most of our feedback comes from engagement with employees. Um, the chancellor's, like I said before, he's very open to receiving communication. Um, so if he sends a message out this morning, he sent a message out about board elections. Um, and if he gets an email back, he'll respond. Uh, he'll answer employee questions. So internal metrics are a little more difficult. Um, we can track some things, but but not not all of them. Um, I think where we get our metrics are if, if there's confusion. If we put a message out and we get a lot of questions, um, we know that we didn't communicate clearly enough or there are additional questions we didn't think of. So, And I think there's layers, you know, like uh, then that message gets interpreted by the next level of uh, administrators who then send out another communication that right. gets, you know, interpreted by the next level and by the, you know, and I think uh, there's been so many of them and, and so you know, especially, you know, the whole COVID situation. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes when you're just trying to do, you know, your, what your job is and you're chiming in on some of these communications, it depends on, you know, at which point did you receive it creates, uh, you know, a little bit of people uh, wanting a little more clarity at the, as it trickles down into the rank and file. Right. So I think that's a good thing. And it, it, I've always, you know, in the private sector, uh, it, uh, there's a great saying and I'm like, you know, I'm like you, I didn't come to teaching till late in life. Mm -hmm. I owned my own businesses and worked in, uh, banking for a while and was a contractor and, uh, didn't actually start teaching till in my forties. Mm -hmm. And there was a saying in the private sector, you know, you know, what rolls downhill, right? Yeah. It starts at the top yep, and it rolls downhill. So I think having someone, you know, at the top that is committed to transparency, whether that is a, a good message or a challenging message or whatever, the fact that he puts it out there and, and lets you know, you know, whether, you know, this is what's happening. Right. Uh, I think is the best thing we could have as a, as an institution. I like the fact that I didn't really spend much time down at the district until, uh, you know, recently, but I, I really liked the fact that all that sort of high end security stuff went away and you, you felt more welcoming, Yeah, you know, when you go down there, let's, it's not like you're behind, like going to see my cousin in County jail, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh no, you know, we're at. We're a public institution and access is, you Leave know, your keys and your phone. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I get the security part of it. I mean, sure. you know, I think when the chancellor took over, I think that, you know, you could go up and walk in and say hi. Yeah. Or whatever, which was a big shift, I thought. No, absolutely. Which was really good. So what is the difference between the internal, managing internal communications with the chancellor and a marketing 
strategy? I mean, I'm, I'm, they have to coincide, but what our, our listeners want to know, what, what's sort of the difference between those? And, and think about this as you're answering as a student getting into marketing and communication. Sure. So I sometimes joke, you know, public relations or, or communications, that, that aspect is free. Marketing is not free. So you've got to pay for the digital space. You've got to pay for the ad. You've got to create an ad. Whereas if, if I want to communicate with the, about a new program, like this program, for instance, I put out a press release. This is the program. These are the things you can do with it. If you're interested, go to this website. That's essentially free other than the human labor that goes into creating and writing it. It's essentially free. But if I want to create an ad that students see, whether it's TikTok, whether it's Snapchat, those ads cost money for me to place. So I, I think that's probably the most basic difference between the two is, is how I deliver the message. One will cost me money. The other will not. Um, it goes to the, the paid earned uh, or uh, organic media, that type of engagement. So, but marketing, the, the marketing focus is on getting students aware of our programs, aware of the opportunity that our community colleges offer them, um, and driving that interest, you know, sparking a, a, an exciting something. I, I could do that. You know, we tell stories through our students. We like to do that. Dr. Weaver, I believe he was out at um, Estrella Mountain. He had the EPIC program. Um, and I'm, I saw the story. They created this uh, hand for a young boy in their 3D printing lab. Yeah. And they actually created a hand that this young boy who lost his, or he was born, excuse me, he was born without his right, arm, right hand. And they create a movable hand so he could pick up and grab objects. And we told that story about that program by talking to the kid talking to the students who created the hand for them. And, you know, community colleges aren't often looked at as having programs like that. If you looked at that story, you'd think that's an ASU research type of program. Um, so if I can tell that story, if we, my team can tell that story to the community, you might inspire a kid that lives in Levine that thinks I don't have an opportunity to go to ASU. I can't afford it or my personal circumstances aren't going to allow me to do that. But they see that incredible program at Estrella Mountain. And they think, I can do that. That's right down the street. It's at a price point that I can, I can navigate. I can still take care of my family, but I can pursue my dreams. That's really an exciting thing that we like to do. We tell our stories through, through our students. How would I find that story? Where would I find that story? So you can go to Australia Mountain social media platforms, social media, you know, the YouTube pages, go to the districts pages. Um, but, you know. So a, they're more sitting somewhere than we're blasting them out because right. it costs money to. No, we, we do. I mean, we try to turn them into two stories that with a marketing angle where we'll, yeah. we'll post it. But, um, you know, we have 10 colleges with yeah. incredible programs across the, across the whole valley. So a little more challenging, but, you know, the newer programs, they'll get the attention like the artificial intelligence program that uh, Chandler Gilbert and Estrella just launched. That gets a lot of attention now because it's a new program. Um, so yeah. as we create these innovative programs, they'll get the limelight for the moment, but yeah, they do sit, sit, sit somewhere. The colleges will also market their programs too. Yeah. I, I really, really like that. I want to see more of that. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, and we're more than willing to partner and help with some of that production. I think we're pretty good at it and our, it would give our students something to do. And, and I know you have a, you know, a high standard of your work. 
and I, I know you use vendors. I, I mean, around here, I see we hire a lot of outside vendors to mm-hmm. to do stuff. You know, it's it's really interesting when I um, I lectured down at U of A a few times, and now they started what we're doing here. They call it Stories Travel. Mm-hmm. Their chancellor pretty much just invited me down on the spot after I, I did a presentation about what we're doing, and. Um, now they have a program up and going. And last I heard, they had 77 students roll on day one. Wow. And it's such a remarkable technology. But what one of the deans or the, I don't know, all the provosts or somebody down there said to me, you know, Eddie, I can walk out into the hallway and find 20 18-year-olds who are really good at After Effects and Premiere and editing. But what I can't find is someone that knows how to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to teach. And that's what we do here is we teach people, you know, how to tell that story. And um, it's been a really remarkable movement, I think, across the country and, and has revitalized marketing and communications. I, I find your job fascinating and I, it's just got to be really exciting to promote others and the college and have a hand in that. Uh, it, yeah. And it really is. I mean, you you look at the lives we touch, um, and the the hope we that our system can provide to folks that might not otherwise understand and know that they can have an opportunity. I mean, that's very exciting. I mean, I retired from the military, and I I had options when I when I left the military service, and most of those options were the military industrial complex. Go work for a Lockheed Martin. Go work for a Boeing. Go work for you name it. Uh, Raytheon down in Tucson. I wanted to do something in the community and, you know, the opportunity, you know, presented itself to, to come work at Maricopa. And yeah, you can see the effect your work has on, on real human lives. That is extremely exciting. Tell the story sometimes to, to folks. I used to live next to a, a Safeway grocery store and one of the cashiers, I would see her all the time. Uh, she was a single mom and she went to South Mountain Community College and for whatever reason, her story, I mean, she was working two jobs and she was still persisting at our community college, only taking one or two classes at a time, but she was committed to it. She was committed to making her children's lives better. She was uh, committed to her dream of becoming a nurse. And it resonated with me that those are the lives that we impact, those folks that otherwise would not be able to pursue their dream. Um, and that's kind of what my motivation is. If we can affect one life, and if for me, it's it's her um, with the work we do, that's pretty exciting stuff. It's very, very exciting I mean, stuff. When you lay down at night, you can say, I, I did something today. That's right. And so, yeah. Well, this is, you know, this is such an important point and something that needs to consistently be out there in the airwaves is that for me, I think public education in Maricopa Community College and specifically are actually the cornerstone of our democracy. And having, you know, the story that you just told of this woman of having access to elevate their educational life in a way that may impact their employment. I don't know what, you know, I don't know what else we're doing here as a country other than (laughs) that, you know, but public education access to the tools you need to be successful in education, I think is what you're saying. You know, that's what, that's what we get up in the morning to do, to know that we're going to be a part of making our community a better, safer, smarter place to be. 
there is no, I don't want to use the word noble, but I mean, it is very honorable work that we do. And our Absolutely. community, I really think our community out there, I know for sure, because, you know, because of business backgrounds and relationships that I have, I ask these guys, players in Phoenix, do you want an educated person coming to work for you? They're like, absolutely. You know, they want critical thinkers, people thinking outside the box. And um, I don't think anybody does it better than Maricopa. You know what I mean? I mean, our, oh, yeah. our faculty, our staff, the fact that I know that Mesa is very inclusive with, you know, whether you're faculty or staff or, you know, whatever your student enrollment, whatever your position is, we're, we were beginning to build more and more uh, ways of, of putting that voice on the table. Mm-hmm. Right? And th- this I find very, very exciting because I love the idea of our constitutional democracy, freedom of speech, freedom mm-hmm. to criticize your government, freedom that let everybody sit at the table. And to have we, conversations. Yeah, we we had a long ways to go still. Yeah, we sure but, do. you know, I just finished uh, Thomas Jefferson's, uh, Meacham's book on Thomas Jefferson, mm-hmm. and then uh, his book on uh, Winston Churchill and Roosevelt. You, may, you mentioned the industrial, the military-industrial yep. complex. And to see the depths of that men have sacrificed, men and women have sacrificed their lives on the field of battle. Yeah that you and I can sit here in peace and talk about our government. There's no greater gift. And, you know? and disagree with it. And, yeah, and, and not disagree. be afraid to walk out of the room. That's right. Isn't yeah. that remarkable? It is a special place. Yeah. 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 We need to really protect that and, and, and promote that. Uh, like I say, I, I think we're the best. I think Maricopa, I just so dig my colleagues, you know, faculty and students, you know, yeah. of course. Uh, but it's amazing. So, all well, right, well, all the good Philly stuff is out of the way. Well, folks. actually, let me just, all if right. I could, to hit on the, the faculty piece, because you're right. I mean, um, we, uh, we did some research, I think it was a year and a half ago now, where we were looking at how do we talk about ourselves differently. So we went on to ASU's campus yeah. and asked their student, right, this was right after COVID hit, um, and a lot of universities were sent home, and we went to ASU's campus. and. Hopefully they're listening because they know we did this because they weren't overly happy. And we asked their students some, some questions. We were doing, basically doing a survey because we were going to create some content to push out about us. Uh, one of the things that they said about community colleges, had they had to do it over again, they would have rather been taught by somebody with 24 years of experience like you, a business owner, teaching me things in the classroom that I need to know about being a business manager or whatever my classroom is, or a student who just graduated who's 24 years old because the classes are so massive that you're really just learning regurgitated material. You know, whereas you, Eddie, can sit in front of a class and say X, Y, and Z, and you have actual tangible experience to share with because you started a business, you ran a business. So the credibility is there. And we use that in our marketing PR campaign, and there may or may not have been a university that was a little bit upset with that. Um, they they didn't they didn't like us pointing that out. Um, so that's that. I think that's a real bonus. In fact, I have a daughter who's on this campus right now, 
in her first day of class, she left ASU this semester because she wanted to come in and have a smaller class and engage with faculty that did this. She's in the uh, graphic design program, and she wants to work with people that actually did it and, and started businesses, ran businesses, worked in businesses where they're doing the work, and they can share that real-world real world experience. So I'm not saying anything to upset the universities. This is just what we learned through actual conversations with real people. Well, I think uh, I was having this conversation with my chair yesterday. This is how we take what some people may perceive as a weakness and turn it into our strength, Mm -hmm. you know, is that we off, you know, because enrollment is the way it is in terms of our online growing and our face-to-face hanging in there, we should be marketing smaller classrooms, right? Mm-hmm. You have like, like I have a class now that's one of the smallest I've ever taught and I can just feel how powerful that class is going to be because I can connect with each and every student and they can connect with each other, you know, yeah. and we really build a, a, a real learning community. And I think we need to really start striking on that point. Yeah. You know, we, we can take the gloves off with ASU. I mean, the guy's taking over the world. You yeah. know, I went down to Tempe. It looked like I thought it was in Manhattan for a minute. Yeah. Know? Is it a real estate development company or? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it looks like that. A global conglomerate. Um, yeah. But hey, we, you know, we're giving something to our citizens here in the state of Arizona that is high quality and should, and, and ASU should actually be supporting us. They should be our biggest leader and communicator they shouldn't be you know what i mean they shouldn't be competing us in any way they should be supporting us totally because we you know we are probably one of the biggest uh, transfer oh yeah we have many of their students the percentage is high i don't recall it off the top of my head but a very high percentage of their students have taken at least 12 credit hours with us so we definitely have strong relationships with them Uh, we definitely have the, the transfer agreements are very strong I will say real quick that I don't know if you've ever heard it, your faculty. It's, I don't know if it's a joke or, I mean, it's, there's a lot of truth to it, but you heard the story about the kid in the uh, English 101 class at a university, 500 students. Professor says, all right, you've got an hour to take this test. You, if you turn it in on my desk and he, after 60 minutes, it doesn't count and you failed. So this kid, 65 minutes, walks up to the professor and has his test in his hand. And the professor says, you're too late, you failed. He's got a stack of tests from the other 499 students on his desk. And the student says, do you know who I am? The professor says, no. Dropped his in the middle and put it back down and said, walked out of the class. He's not going to know who it was, right? Yeah. I mean, 500 students versus what, 25 in yours? Yeah. There's definitely that connection you pointed out. Yeah. And, you know, for me personally, and I think for a lot of people, learning and having that connection where you can ask questions because we don't always understand things. So. And there, and we have faculty who have mastered this uh, learning community online as well. Yeah, I think uh, we have Laura Ballard over here who is, you know, they gave her a small little office and maybe one other person, and she's built this infrastructure of online that is rivaling, you know, many many colleges. And that that's that's the kind of people we have working here. Yeah, hardworking, dedicated people with vision. It's just, uh, yeah making sure everybody is consistent with their opportunity because it takes time. You know, it takes time to build programs and, and things. We can't do them so quickly. And yeah. I don't know. I just, I love, if, I love Mesa Community College and I love Maricopa 
I think it's been a, it's just a great place to be because of the people that work here. Yeah, the people are. We have a few questions here for you. That, mm-hmm. So critical thinking is part of our podcast. And we, again, for our listeners, we have a, a, a committee of people that send in questions for our guests. So here's a question from one of our committee members. How does the chancellor decide what to respond to? For example, over the last few years, there have been a lot of social justice issues that have been on the forefront of people's mind. Why don't we see more emails from the chancellor addressing these issues? That's a really good question. The chancellor, he's addressed some of the social, social issues, the uh, George Floyd uh, murder. He did. He did. He addressed that. Uh, he, he has conversations about all of them uh, with his executive council, and there are decisions made. The colleges answer, you know, address those locally, um, whether the college president is addressing them through town halls or, or other. Um, I think you've seen the chancellor held, I don't know if they were called town halls. Maybe you remember what they were called. When they, yeah. A couple of days, we had four or five different um, sessions where he brought in experts from the community, experts, faculty to talk about these social issues, started the DEI work. So maybe not messages as it's addressed here in the questions, but he's taking actual action and putting together groups, departments, and forums for us to discuss these issues as employees and the community because community was welcome to attend these events. So maybe not addressing e- more emails, maybe not the answer. Maybe it's action and putting us in rooms, virtual, I guess, in this case, over the last couple of years, to actually talk about the issues and come up with how, how are we going to address these? What do we need to do better? Um, what, what issues do we need to talk about as a system? How are these national issues affecting us locally, and how are we going to address them? Well, there may not be as many emails as, as you might think you see, but there's, there's a lot more action happening. Um, the DEI work is off and running. Uh, Dr. Ganther, who uh, has moved on to another opportunity uh, back east, she started that. And that program's still going. That department's still putting together the infrastructure and platform to be a true department to work on these issues. So I think there's a lot of action happening. To me, this is what real leadership is. Real leadership creates the opportunities for other people to be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that's, that's one of the frustrations I've had with the administration, with the interim and people coming and people going, is that it, it, it starts to become about that person and that, you know, where the leadership person, you know, all right, so they got the title and they get the big check, you know, good for you, right? right. Now make other people successful. Mm-hmm. If you read profiles in Courage, you know, one of the things that Kennedy says is that he realized he was taught early on. To be successful, you have to make the people around you successful. Yeah. Right? That's a real leader to me. Yeah. 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 And, the, and our chancellor, I mean, what effect does an email have? I mean, certainly, hey, this issue happened. It's horrifying. And I'm talking about George Floyd. Right. But taking action a step further, putting together forums for conversations to happen, I think there's true value there. Because an email at the end of the day it's sent and it's done. Right. But and who con- reads it? Right. right. And we, then we don't know. But the conversations, the forums, you know, issues come up that can be addressed. We take it a next a level further. I think that there's true value in, in doing, and his approach to that is, I think, been 
it's been well received and I think it's been successful in, in starting the the winds of change within our own organization. And you know, he's been very consistent and I know I, I know a lot of us appreciate that he's very consistent and measured in what he's doing. Uh, is he still considered an interim uh, chancellor? Or yes. is he had wasn't he offered a a, a three-year contract. I mean, he's legitimately our chancellor now, or is it still interim? He's still interim chancellor. Uh, so when he when he took the the position, uh, I believe it was a five-year, excuse me, five-month. He was expected to be there because we were in the middle, quote unquote. We were started the uh, the search uh, for a new chancellor with the expectation that they'd be in the seat by July first. Well, then COVID happened and some other some other things happened and. So they extended his contract. He'll be interim for the additional two years. So still interim. That's but great. if you if you read some of his messages, or I'm sure you've talked to him. I think he's been here before. Uh, his advice to anybody that takes an interim role is act like it's my permanent job. Uh, and you know he he's done that. That's the advice he gives others. So he said, I'm going to do that. So he acts. This is his job. He's he's the chancellor, and he goes about his day like that. Yeah, that that's a good one most of the time. It's it's a little unnerving to see interim people making too big of decisions. That yeah, sometimes I, I but, think in his role he had he doesn't really have another choice. He's got to right. he's got to lead. There's there's a lot of change. I mean, COVID COVID put us in a position where if we if we waited to change, we'd be in real trouble. So no, he's uh, like I say, he's creating those opportunities for people to be successful and. You know, as they say, the quarterback can't throw the ball and catch it, right? It's got to, nope. it's a team effort. And so we'll help him uh, with those issues. Hey, uh, we're experiencing, apparently, the decline enrollment across the district. How is your office getting the message out to the committee that we are open for business? So uh, I'm, I'm glad you're asking about enrollment because this is a, this is a national issue. This isn't a local issue. This is something we, we focus on daily. I'm sure every employee of the system focuses on daily, but my team in particular, um, yeah, enrollment's down and, and the marketing arm of our, that's what we're about. It's bringing leads to the front door that they can, we can matriculate into students, right? So this is on the top of our to-do list every day. Well, let's discuss this. How can we do better? all the way down to A-B testing ads. Okay, what ad works better? What ad it gets more reaction? But this is a national issue. Um, you look at a lot of different factors across the country, whether it's Google saying, we don't care if you have a four-year degree anymore, just prove that you can do X, Y, or Z. And you can do that by jumping on YouTube or any of these other platform and learning, a, getting a certificate and saying, look, I can do this. The pandemic has also changed how people spend money, right? Particularly our students. Our students are working jobs they they have they need to to be paying their bills right so pandemic has really changed that a lot of folks lost their jobs their families lost jobs so they've had to kind of re rethink okay what am i going to spend my time and money on and in our case it's both right coming to, to college whether it's us or a university it's both time and money so there's some rethinking and rethinking how they get back into the workforce do I work two jobs, put away some money in case the next variant comes out and has us shut down again? So a lot of people are rethinking. We also have students that are uh, not real comfortable online. Whether they're not comfortable online, they don't have access to internet technology. 
which is a real, the, the digital divide is a huge issue uh, in our community. Underserved populations are at a disadvantage on in there. So like Phoenix College is working with the city of Phoenix to bridge the digital divide and, and solve that, right? So our community colleges are hard at work solving those issues. But I think enrollment is going to be, it's, it's a, we're in a new space and we've got to figure out what the future looks like and engage people and whether it's students or business leaders on the new path. Where are we going to be in five years? How are people going to want to learn? Taking classes instead of 16-week classes through a full semester, offering shorter course offerings instead of 16 weeks, eight weeks, or six weeks, whatever it is our faculty determine is the best modality or delivery. We got to just rethink that and, and survey students, which we do all the time. We constantly are asking students, okay, you didn't come back this semester. Why? Tell us why. A lot of cases, it's personal. It's uh, finances. It's uh, I've got a sick family member I've got to take care of. Um, so this question is top of mind for everybody every day. We're always looking to solve it. Um, and if we could solve it, I think we'd help the entire country because it's, it's going to be an ongoing issue. And, and the landscape of work has changed, right? So the, the future doesn't look the same now. Well, it's, it's very important that people do understand all these variables and our, you know, so to speak, traditional student right now, they do. I mean, it, it is a wise choice sometimes to choose employment over going to school during this pandemic, you know, because there are so many opportunities for employment. And traditionally, a community college, when the economy is low or struggling, people go back to school. Mm -hmm. And when the economy's doing well, you know, people go engage in the economy. And that's sort of our populace. Those are our traditional students. So we just have to be patient. And it's, you know, we have a lot of very smart folks working on these variables. And, yep. and I like the idea that, you know, like when I first came here, I, I just didn't understand the FTSE model, you know, where the conversation was from semester to semester. Like you can't run a business every six weeks, you know, you, you have money now, but next time we don't know, you know, it just doesn't yeah. work like you need a, five, 10 year vision. That's why people pay taxes in the, uh, to us is to stabilize, you know, our economic package. And I think looking at things in a longer period of time and how to fund them will benefit us in the, in the long run. A couple more questions for you. I know yep. you got to get going. So we're, we, we're taking in a whole bunch of money from federal grants, you know, that, the pandemic uh, money and all of that. Her funds, yep. Yeah, and then we have HSI money that's rolling into our campuses, uh, Hispanic serving institution. How are you bridging those funds? Because people I know that I work with always want me to stress that these funds are not just for Hispanic students, but for the college and mm -hmm. everyone that attends. Right, that's what the money is for, is to improve the entire institution. How are you all reaching out to the Latino community and leaders around our college and the use of these funds? This community is critical. I mean, there, what is it, 53, 56% of our Maricopa population speaks Spanish, uh, Hispanic background, critical community community to us as, as the system. The, the funds you're talking about, I, can't speak too detailed about it, but we can't use those funds for marketing, unfortunately. 
Um, there's actually a stipulation in there on the, on those funds that what they can and can't be used. And unfortunately, marketing uh, is one. But I will tell you that we make great strides, great efforts to communicate with our Hispanic population to where we're even trans um, translating our our marketing, our press releases into Spanish. Uh, we work with uh, Univision, Telemundo. In fact, one of my best uh, educations was from Univision four years ago. I sat down with them because we wanted to, how do we, how do we engage that population? So they presented us with an opportunity to sponsor their social media room. Now, it was obviously a benefit. They, they made some marketing dollars, but for us, they presented us and they gave us a lot of data on how the, the, those communities receive, where they go for their information, the, the important sectors within their population that we should engage with because they have influence. Um, you know, grandparents in the family are hugely important and have a lot of uh, sway or influence over the younger population where they get their information. That t- It's uh, cell phones. It was a critical piece of information. So we targeted, we use that information to make sure we're feeding ads and information to where those communities can get the information. So there's, there's a great deal of emphasis and effort put into this this area in, in reaching out to all of our populations to, to include our Native uh, American populations who we engage with through our different offices. We have the ACE folks that we engage with quite a bit and find out, hey, how could we be doing better? I know you probably know Deanna Villanueva Sacedo. She's our community engagement leader at the district office. One of my favorite people out there. She's just an incredibly engaging human being and very, very intelligent. Um, she knows the community. She works with all of a lot of our Hispanic uh, organizations across the valley, and she plugs us in and does the handoff. Hey, you might be able to work with these folks on on an effort. Um, so we did a Facebook Live, I wouldn't say event, because it was across all of our campuses, campaign, a Facebook Live campaign with uh, Chicanos por la Causa. Awesome, awesome event, all in Spanish. Uh, they went to different programs. Uh, the one I remember most was the automotive program very engaging, talked about what programs we offer across the, the three colleges that offer off automotive programs and really engage those audience and, and leverage their reach about our programs. Uh, great partnerships. So we look for every opportunity to engage all of our populations. Yeah. Yeah. I think you guys are doing a, doing a good job. And again, it's that sort of raising the consciousness that takes time, mm-hmm. you know, and building those relationships. I know early on, I uh, had attended some of the tribal summits that we used to put on. And after four of them, uh, I know a lot of the governors of the tribes here said no more because, you know, we keep meeting and we keep talking about it, but it's time somebody, you, know, you need to do something. Mm-hmm. We want to see some real progress and some real programs happen. I think, uh, you know, we've, they've built that really beautiful cultural center over there at Scottsdale Community College. I don't know if you've been over there. Yeah, I actually got to go to the dedication ceremony. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable, Unbelievable event. And then the building's just beautiful, but uh, it was a really awesome experience out there. Yeah, and I think, um, again, it's about creating opportunities for people mm-hmm. and making sure that the leaders understand who the real leaders are, giving those people the resources, the tools, and the opportunity to create and innovate things that will benefit um, our community. So we have our last question here. We're here with Matt Hassan, Chief Communications Officer for the Office of the Chancellor at the Maricopa 
community colleges, having a great conversation about communications and marketing and specific dynamics within our district. One of the last questions we have really was pointed towards a culture, a real cultural shift in, I guess we would say, governance. And in a way, even though we have Hoop of Learning, we have ACE, we have a lot of DEI outreach, we uh, are doing our best to embrace everybody and be inclusive from populations. At the core of our, our business, daily businesses, on the colleges to the district, still remains a very Eurocentric model of governance. Very top-down, you know, processes and bureaucracy that seem to benefit kind of the same old folks. And it's, you know, as a tribal member and an innovator and a scholar, it's, it's always hard to find footing. It's hard to find colleagues that are like-minded in some ways. And when the bureaucracy becomes the heavy-handed, I mean, for us, it makes sense because that's what works for the people in power. How do you see any shifts here recently, culturally, that would expand different ways of thinking more than just this Eurocentric model of bureaucracy? Do you, do you see forms of taking shape out there where people are building community? And I hope I'm, I'm being as clear yeah. in, in the question as I can, but I, I would like to see more people, rank and file type people, have a, a, a more important seat at the table. Yeah, I, I think I know where your, where your question is going. And I think culturally as a, as a system, meaning the, the discrepancies or the perceived discrepancies between college or college versus district, I think Dr. Gonzalez has done, I think, an extraordinary job of bringing us all together. He's changed pretty much everything with respect to how we engage the shared governance model. He's got students involved in uh, our governing board. We've got a student representative there representing our students. In the Chancellor's Executive Council, he now have faculty representation as well as uh, staff, the employee reps, are in, in those meetings. He meets with our constituency groups um, across the system. He meets with them monthly and to hear their voice, to have you know conversations with them. Um, so he's making great strides to bring people together, change the culture, change the the perception of district versus college, college versus district. Because at the end of the day, I think if you talk to each employee without knowing where they work, we're all here for the same thing. And it's to serve our students and to serve our community. So, and I think he's he's taking efforts and, and again, we talked about it before, true action to change that perception by putting things together, putting processes and mechanisms in place even so far as a message we might put out from his office, he has constituency groups re- review the message before it goes out to ensure that we're not missing something that should be communicated from their lens. And that's a, as his communication director, I'll tell you, that's a, that's a drastic shift, bringing others in to have a voice and a message he sends out to, to employees or to the community. And he doesn't back off from that. He doesn't slip or get complacent. He says, nope, let's make sure this group or these folks or that person reviews this and gives their eye on it. And I'll tell you, as as the communication guy, that's been eye-opening learning experience for me. As I share these messages out and get the feedback, I think, man, that was that would have been a miss. We really need to, to change the way we think. And again, it's all about action. You can say something, 
But until you start doing it and having those meetings and be willing, and the chancellor's really good at this, tell me what I don't want to hear. Don't be afraid to tell me that either I made a really bad decision, and he means it uh, when he says it. We have our cabinet meetings. He says it all the time. You know, I'm not here to have you tell me how my last decision was great. I want to hear what we could have done better or tell me that it was wrong. And he does that across the board. Um, not that this is the chancellor, you know, celebrating the chancellor show, but he, the man's committed to it. And I think that resonates with his direct reports. And then you would hope that it would trickle down, that that's the culture we want to create, inclusivity and, and bring people to the table and let them be a part of the process. Well, unfortunately, when you're the chancellor, there are plenty of people that want to point out your, <laughs> your bad decisions. Oh, I'm yeah. sure there's no shortage of that. Uh, but uh, we really appreciate Dr. Gonzalez stepping up and being our chancellor and providing a new perspective and giving more and more people a seat at the table. You know, that, that never really happened to me until I was started doing what I'm doing here in my own classroom. I've gone to film school at Scottsdale Community. I brought a camera in the room and we got, we, the first documentary did actually PBS picked up and put on their, their show. No kidding. And then invited me to come down and it really blew up from there. And I remember my president and vice president coming down, they got me in the hallway over here and they said, you know, we don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. <laughs> and, uh, these are the these are the kinds of things I'm talking about. You know, I face this. It, it seems like an administrator can use bureaucracy when it works for them, and, and when it it doesn't. But my my point being, I want there to be enough space and resource for us to innovate and grow. You know, let people do that. Yeah. Uh, instead of you know rank and file, I that idea of being called an employee does not sit well with me for some reason. I don't know why. Because I feel more invested. It just seems like a cheap word to me. Yeah, you know, it's like I have multiple terminal degrees. You know, I'm committed. It's like, uh, you know. Uh, well, I mean, I think you're, you're making the yeah. point I made earlier about how special our faculty and employees are. Right. I mean, you, li you don't go home and leave it here. You don't no. clock out. You're not punching the clock and then don't think about it. I mean, I've, I've known you a little while, but I, I can see that you go home and you're still thinking and researching how you can improve your program. And I think that's what makes us so special. I mean, I think that's probably the case for all of our employees and certainly our faculty. They don't go home and I'm done. Tomorrow I'm going to go back and just repeat what I did. It's I'm going to take feedback. I'm going to learn. I'm going to look across the country and how we can get better. And we're going to make it happen. We're going to do it. We're going to change things. And I think that's you're making my point. I mean, that's why we're special. So many people that are invested. We want to be the best, you know. I think I get that from the gridiron, you know. I was the smallest uh, linebacker in college, and, <laughs> I, you know, I was raised in, you know, by football coaches. And that will, that thing to win, you know what I mean? Like fourth and one on the goal line, that energy, I thrive. I love that stuff. Yeah. My, know, my dad want to win. taught you know? me from a young age, if you, if you got to do something, don't yeah. do it half, uh, right. you know. Do it. Do it full throttle. So we want to thank Matt for being here today at Mesa Community College. As tradition has it, we always give our guests the last word uh, to say something about uh, Maricopa or whatever you want to say to the community. Go ahead. Well, I want to thank you, your team, for, for letting me come in. Like I said, I've been watching this grow from its inception, and what you've done is remarkable. And we've got to get the word out. We've got to tell the community about 
programs like yours, when people can see it and live it, um, and walking on campus today, you know, uh, it, it's remarkable seeing students back that the hallways, if you will, are, are packed. It's exciting, but I appreciate you bringing us in. This is, this is an awesome experience and we look forward to partnering with you moving forward. I think you nailed it. Um, we've got internal expertise that we need to leverage to tell our story and who better than the guy that's teaching our students how to tell stories than, than you to, to make that partnership. So we appreciate it. And we look forward to, to moving forward with something. Thank you. We, we appreciate that. In uh, my dad's language, they say, means uh, we'll see you again. And everybody take care of each other out there because we are all we have. See you next time. Royalty-free audio, Grinnell Line Dreams, by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. You can find more of his work at incompetech.com. The Maricopa County Community College District, MCCCD, is an EEO-AA institution and an equal opportunity employer of protected veterans and individuals with disabilities. All qualified applicants will receive consideration for employment without regard to race, color, religion, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, age, or national origin. A lack of English language skills will not be a barrier to admission and participation in the career and technical education programs of the district. The Maricopa County Community College District does not discriminate on the basis of race, color, national origin, sex, disability, or age in its programs or activities. For Title IX 504 concerns, call the following number to reach the appointed coordinator, 480-731-8499. For additional information, as well as the listing of all coordinators within the Maricopa College System, please visit maricopa.edu slash non-discrimination.